Hello, and welcome to True Story. True. My name. <laughs> Story. Oh, my name is Mike Doty. My name is Dave Holmes, and what you're hearing is Mike Doty's reaction to my very uh, Mike Johnson sweater. Very specifically, Mike Johnson. Mm-hmm. I have so many notes from from this episode about that sweater. Yep, it's a, it's like a it's 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 not actually a Kuji, is it? I don't think so. I don't it's think like so. It's like a black and white Kuji. I don't know what Kuji means, um, and I also don't know who made <laughs> Kuji, the sweater. Um, Kuji I, Kuji okay. is a sweater brand. Well, I'm sure okay. there are other. They they are a brand for other things, but yeah. fucking hell, where did you get that? I got this at um, a, a thrift store. I um, so I'm doing this podcast that comes out in October. That is an investigation into uh, the whereabouts of Sudden Impact, the the boy band yes. from the Boys to Men Motown Philly video, and uh, and so uh, we are all, all of our like promotional photos and the and the show logo and all that are uh, photographs by Robin Von Swank, who is this incredible photographer. So we did a very 90s photo shoot. Wow. Um, and I was like, well, I'm going to need a very 90s sweater. And I found this one. And I didn't get it back within the return window. So now this sweater is mine to keep. <laughs> yeah. Oh. I'll, do, I'll do a little screenshot. <clears throat> oh, um, yeah. And for, for, the, for the kids. Okay. Did, now, did you know when you laid eyes upon it, like, that is the Mike Johnson race car driver in repose sweater? No, 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 I didn't at all. I just, I looked at it and I said, you know, it's a it's a pleasant Bill Cosby memory. It's, uh, you know, <laughs> it's just, it's very, it's a very 90s sweater and I need to have it. And, um, yeah, and then I watched episodes four and five of The Real World London and Mike and- Johnson... Uh, a, a race car driver in search of funding late at night, late on a London night, is wearing almost exactly <laughs> this sweater with a black turtleneck, which I also have. This I'm not probably wearing it's too hot. This probably was equivalent to the moment that you and I were watching season one mm-hmm. and Michael Ailig came on screen. Yes. Like the same kind of like, oh my God. Whoa. Yeah, yeah. totally. Totally. Wow. Yep. What a moment! Wow. What a moment! Those are the days. So, real world. Hey, I, I, before before we get on, before, um, okay. I I fucked up the recording on the last one. We did the last recording live. Yes, we did. And I set I set the recording wrong oh. uh, on your little Zoom device. Yeah, so it's like a weird ambient recording and difficult yeah. to listen to in an automobile. Yeah, we're sorry about the audio in the last episode. I also yeah. I forgot to put the theme song in. Oh, so I mean. No. <laughs> nothing, nothing but whiffs, nothing but strikes uh, for both of we us. We were drunk. We were just drunk as hell, and uh, wasted. You know, yeah, no, I, I was absolutely exhausted. I'm still exhausted. It's a, it, we're starting a four day weekend. As of today, I couldn't be happier. Yes, um, I need to fucking chill. It's been insane lately. <laughs> um, but I got to tell you, the, the, the soothing. Uh, qualities of this season of the real world cannot be overstated. Oh, yes. um, it, it, it relaxes the mind and body. Well, it's really these two episodes are really like about like kid stuff, like teenage kid, early 20s kid. Like there's like a lot of parental stuff and a lot of so like much. facing health decisions for your future. Yes. Uh, yeah. And it's a, it's a Lars big gets episodes. sick. And Lars, Lars, poor Lars. Let me tell poor you something. Lars. Uh, by the way, I've done some research. Lars apparently lives in Los Angeles now. Of course and, he does. Um, and works for Pioneer. Um, wow. Yeah. So he's like in celebrity relations for Pioneer or something. Wow. Which is great. Uh, he, looks, <laughs> he looks terrific. <laughs> he has aged extraordinarily well. Yes. Um, I'm, uh, I'm delighted. Uh, he's got he's got like a seventeen or eighteen year old son, which is well, of shocking. Of course he does. No, um, of course he does. He looks great, but let me tell you, um, he when he he either looks fantastic or fully like the undead. Like when he is sick, he looks <laughs> rough. Well, when I can we agree? I, I, I oh, we certainly can. I spent a, a lot of this episode fixated on his 
eyes. Like, if you just look at his eyes, like, if you freeze the screen, hold your hands up to to block out the rest of his face, that, if you saw those eyes on a character in Full Metal Jacket, it would be foreshadowing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there's, there's, there's darkness. There's, um... (laughs) But on the other hand... searching. He's like the guy who asks questions of his Mm -hmm. other... Uh, of his other roommates, like we learn so much yeah. about, like the exposition is fully taken on as a responsibility by Lars. Yeah, yeah, he's yeah. good like that. He's good like that. I, um, I, I, I forget, and I loved uh, r- reminding myself that there's a Kiss 100 London and Berlin. Yes, indeed. Kiss 100 yeah. is a it, worldwide brand. Love it. It was great. Uh, the, because he tries to get a job at Kiss 100 uh, London, and you can tell, and they don't find him a job. But there's all this, uh, all this footage of him like meeting different people, and you can tell that before he walks into every office, there's a moment where somebody says to somebody else, "This guy's on like a, a reality show," and uh, yeah. they wouldn't call it a reality show. No, like, we wouldn't say that this, yet. This weird documentary. This show guy's on in MTV. America. Is what they would yeah. say. Yeah. They'd be like, oh, but does it matter if it's on MTV in America? And, like, they have these very polite English people conversations. Also, Lars's last name is Schlichting. Schlichting is the most German last name. So, yeah, I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it. It was great. Schlichting. Um, Um, I love that uh, um, Mike Johnson's German accent incorporates, incorporates Mann. Mon, I'm DJ Lars Mon. Mon, <laughs> he's fucked up when it comes to accents. He really is. Yeah, that is a that is a boy who's never left St. Louis. This is the first yeah. and last time Mike Johnson left St. Louis. Oh god! Um, but um, I I love his appreciation for Lars going to clubs and shaking his butt. Yeah, I mean, it really like having been in London a lot around this time mm-hmm. and uh, having gone to those clubs. Um, music was really great and it yeah. was really like kind of this hedonistic phase. Um, there was like an ecstasy drought that happened right after this. Really? Which a f- they did oh, it all? Yeah. Oh, that, well, it was gone. And then, um, the Mitsubishi pill came in at about uh, 98. Okay. And that, do you remember the Mitsubishi pill? No. You weren't up on these politics. Um, not. there was a, the, the, the Mitsubishi Pill was the, the the first real E that had come like like not heavily adulterated real E that came into the country in the late nineties. In fact, one of the 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 rave magazines put it on the cover with the uh, with the headline "The Pill That Saved Clubland." Wow! Yes, that, which is great. No, didn't like, know let's any- just. Cut to the chase. Didn't know anything about that. I've told you yeah. my one ecstasy story, right? You have. Okay. And Wilson Phillips okay. was on? Wilson Phillips, yeah. Nope. Wilson Phillips was not. I put Wilson Phillips on. <laughs> I put on like, Hold On by Wilson Phillips, and I stared at myself in the mirror, and I said, you're going to fucking hold on, Dave Holmes. <laughs> and then I got over the hump, great. and I hugged and danced. There you go. Um, well, we, it's very sad. Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, we made a purchase of uh, of that at the beginning of lockdown. Me and Ben haven't done it in a thousand years, but we were like, you know, lockdown <laughs> be a good time to do that. I've just been sitting in the medicine cabinet for a full year. Oh, oh, the ecstasy. Not yeah, Wilson we just Phillips. Been, not Wilson Phillips. No, that we obviously own on vinyl, and I'm not kidding. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's just been sitting there waiting for the perfect time, which will never come because I'm 50 years old. Oh, come on now. Uh, maybe it will. Who knows? It'll, it'll come around. So uh, Lars, uh, house music guy, wakes up the whole house to house music. Did not intend that yeah. incursion. However, the house music that is piped in is, is not <laughs> real McCoy, which I love, but don't think right. is the house music that he is bumping. No, like knowing a lot about... Uh, techno music of this period um, I'm guessing like nobody is a DJ in Berlin and listens to stuff that's on MTV no it's just no no there it's some dark experimental house Um, but I and I don't know who um, I meant to Shazam it or look it up before we spoke 
But uh, one of the songs that gets some play in this episode is... Uh, um, here we go again. Here we go, 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 something, 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 something. Here we go, here we go. You know that song, right? Oh. I just don't know who it is. No, I, I, I don't either. I could, I could name a bizarre ink track from 300 yards. Oh, but, yeah, I'm gonna get you, thing. baby. Yeah, I'm gonna get you. Yes, I am. Oh, you got to wow. get into uh, if if re- uh, listeners are looking for recommendations, listen to P- Plutonic by Bizarre Inc. So it's very aggressive, scary track. Oh, I love it. I love to hear yeah. it. Um, yeah. the, lo- um, the love one another moment between Sharon and Lars is for me the <laughs> adoring image of this whole season. Made yeah. me fall in love with both of them. I feel that. Mm-hmm. I feel I, that. I love them both. Uh, so when Lars gets sick, they cue the greatest Pixies time, Pixies song of all time, which is a Frank Black solo tune called Headache. Headache. Oh, yes. Love it. Love it. And yes, I said that. Listener, hold off on the tweet. I said that on purpose. Okay. Yes. Okay. I made a cutting criticism of the Pixies repertoire. Ooh. And Yeah. That the best Pixie song is a Frank Black solo number. Okay. Sorry. I am in really a... sorry. Uh, the, ben is such, such a Pixies guy it, that of it's... Course. Oh, my God. Yeah. it's. I've seen them live with him a couple times. Uh, Museum of Home Video, which is a, um, it's a Twitch account, um, and they go live on, like, Tuesday and Friday nights. And it's great. And they just they just do crazy shit. And it's right. super fun. And you can do a Patreon so you can watch old episodes, which you should. Um, but they recently did uh, Pixies. Um, oh, I forget. Uh, Surfer Rosa, I, I guess. Um, Surfer Rosa, like they did the. Well, they did it um, all live Pixies performances. So it was like the track oh, listing of it. Wow. But some was like from the club days in, in the 80s. And some was from reunion tours with... Uh, Kim Shattuck, and it was just right, all right. different times and back and forth, and it was really cool. So, Museum right. of Home Video, if you want to be a patron. There you go. There you go. Uh, one more word about, about the yes. song Headache. Uh-huh. Is, it is an incredible song. It would have been a giant hit, I believe, if it wasn't called Headache. Oh. Okay. Even I don't want to listen to it twice in a row. No. And it is my favorite song on which... Uh, Black Francis sings. Uh-huh. This, uh-huh. Yeah. Like, if you've ever suffered a migraine, it, no. it just is like, you know, how it doesn't matter how good the song is. If it's called Headache, uh-huh. you don't want to listen to you it. You just don't want to listen. Yeah, no, I enjoy it. Yeah. The, uh, the video is also unsettling because of Frank. Oh. Black, as I recall. Oh. It's just... Because of just what he looks like? Just because... Yeah, not because of what he... It, just his overall thing is a little... Right. Is a little spooky. Um, yeah. yeah, I would, I would urge oh, you to he, look up he, the video. Does he do the flowers thing? Is that the video where he like holds the oh, flowers? I don't. I don't. And, I don't or is that just a record cover? I don't. Yeah. I think I don't know. I don't know. I don't have the answers here. Um, but yeah, poor Lars's head is exploding. Um, also, he just passes out and gashes his whole face up. I know. How did the cameras not sh- get that? That is a great, great question. I wonder if this is when they started outfitting the whole place with, like, ring cameras and shit. <laughs> We're going to need surveillance cameras and a yes. hot tub. Yes, yes. Yep. Um, yeah, I don't know what happened. And I don't, like, I mean, so is, are they just dancing past the whole idea of ecstasy in this episode with Lars and all the clubbing and then the well, eventually getting kind of sick? Well, they don't, I mean, they don't show any, like, serious hugging Right. On the show, right? That's I'm true. just, I'm just more concerned that like the music is so great, mm-hmm. and even Mike Johnson, the race car driver from St. Louis, can tell how amazing this music is, right? Or maybe he just wants to get wasted and talk to girls, yeah, and be like, "Hi, look at me. There's a camera crew following me because I'm famous. Because I'm and the most have... American, American. Yes, uh, you should time. have relations with me. Yeah. Oh, dude, I... listen. Yes, I can tell you something. Go... If you're... What? I learned a trick when I was in. London, which is just sound really American and say you're on the guest list. Really? 
Yes. I mean, I, I, I'm sure it doesn't work anymore. But yeah. in like 95, 96, if you just walked up and sounded really American and were like, I'm on, on the guest list, they'd yeah. be like, oh, my gosh, well, he's an American guy. He's got to be on the guest list. I think I speak for our listeners when I say – Talk real American, Mike Doty. What does that sound like? <laughs> well, it was the use of a use of a lot of uh, hip hop slang. Oh, uh, so you're doing I like an Ari Melber thing? No, <laughs> God no. He had a no, whole thing just... where he quoted the Beat Nuts yesterday. I oh, the was Beat like, Nuts. Ari, we fucking get it. We get it, Ari. We God, get it. Yeah, you're a white guy. Who and John Heilman with the Wu Tang sticker. Stop and it. That now. whole thing. Stop it now. Yeah. I'm just disappointed that they're they're my age, you know. Yeah, we talked when I was at your house uh, the other week Mm -hmm. for our live episode. I mentioned off mic that I'm older than Ted Cruz. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, And your friend Irene was there, Mm -hmm. and she was also she's like a few years, a few months younger than me. Uh, Yeah, and she was she was like horrified to find that out. She refused to believe it Mm -hmm. until we looked it up. But I am just younger. Than Ted Cruz, but yeah, Ted Cruz oh. and uh, Jared Leto are the same age, <laughs> which is just so wild as hell. So great, wild as hell. Um, all right. Oh, um, I enjoy um, the use of the Jayhawks. They just yeah, slide indeed. some Jayhawks in there. This is layered. <laughs> the music, the music choices are multi-layered. Um, this is also one a huge. Thing I, what one thing I noticed about. All the music, all the 1990s music, mm-hmm. is um, that chord changes were much simpler. Explain. Like, for some reason, everybody in sort of indie rock now has gone to Berklee School of Music. And they mm-hmm. all play very complicated chords. Mm-hmm. And I'm a man from a simpler age and continue to think that the kids will eventually go back to those simpler chords because... Yeah. That's the way things should be in the world. But, of course, that, you know, that's like old people talk. That's like mm-hmm. saying the, the big bands are bound to come back. But, they yeah, could. it was like they <laughs> Well, they actually they did shortly after these episodes aired. Very true. The, the, yeah. The big, yeah. The big, the big popping daddies. <laughs> big old big bad cherry poppers. Whatever. Did not have any appreciation for these times when squirrel nut zippers could have a big hit tune yeah Did not, that, was, that like, was a weird that was a weird moment also i just don't like yeah. that song um i okay so when no, swing you, you don't no um, Squirrel nut zippers i don't like that song no what yeah no whoa huh no, no. um the during the swing revival in like 96 97 um i lived in new york and my parents came to visit and, um, and like in Central Park by Bethesda Fountain, like under those stairs, there yeah. used to be, um, swing dancers who like, you know, get all gussied up in their right. fucking goofy clothes and they, you know, swing each other all around. And, uh, and I don't even know if they like passed a hat or if it was just for pleasure or what the deal was, but, uh, but they would bring a boom box and they would play swing music and they would flip all around. And so my parents were in town and they, you know, they their courtship was all in the forties, and I was like, "Oh, they're, I should take them to watch this. They'll love it." And right. uh, and so I walked them up there, and I was like, "Huh?" As these people were <laughs> swinging each other around, and uh, and my mom leaned in, and she was like, "Oh, in our day, only really corny people did this." Really? And I was like, "That's tr- still true. That's still true. Wow. <laughs> these are corny people." Um, I, I, and I never felt closer to my parents. I had never envisioned my parents being too cool for something, but they were too cool for swing. And I just, I love the shit out of that. I just love it. That is, that is shocking and wonderful. They're essentially, do you remember the roller disco people? Do I? Yes. The guys with the, there was a guy, I think it was just one guy who had like a bandolier of cassette tapes. Yes, he did. Like, like as if he was carrying ammunition. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, yeah, those those were the swing dancers, I guess, were the roller disco 
people of their day. Yeah, for those who didn't hang out in Central Park in the 90s. And I don't even know if this still goes on. Maybe it does. But um, sort of by the band shell, there there was um, yeah. on Saturdays and Sundays in the summertime, uh, there would just be a circle of, of roller skaters. And, and people would put yeah. their boom boxes all in a pile in the middle and turn on, you know, WKTU or, or Hot 97 <laughs> or something <laughs> and skate around in a circle. Now... Um, there is, I don't know if you knew this, but one of those, one of the regulars in the nineties in that roller skate circle was a Columbia university professor who had, uh, multiple personalities and really? yeah, he had a teenage personality named Tommy who loved to roller skate. And really? I swear to God, yeah, there was a big feature in the New York times about him. Um, but Tommy would go and roller skate all around and then. You know, the professor would take over and he would go back to campus or whatever. But that that person um, cheated on his wife and said, no, that was that was Tom <laughs> or, or like one of the other personalities was just like, sorry, right. that wasn't me. And it worked and they stayed together. <laughs> so, oh, yeah. that's wondrous. Oh, the 90s. Absolutely wondrous. Yes. Mm. Yes. Mm. When we all could have. Multiple personalities yeah. and fuck other people on yeah. our skates. Sex in the 90s. You know, we should do a spinoff season where we find the old sex in the 90s yes. e- uh, episodes. I don't oh know if God. those exist on uh, Paramount Plus, but they fucking should. They're so good. There, actu- there actually is a category that says uh, true life. And I'm like, oh. no, yeah. but they're not. They're not the old true life Shit. episodes. God True life, damn it. ecstasy eight holes in my brain. Oh man, that was a good one. Oh man, so many good nineties. True life, sex, sex in the nineties was sex amazing. In, though. Sex in the nineties, the the gay kiss, the first gay kiss, which was like the least pleasant kiss I have ever seen. Yeah, they, I mean, they're just like they're just like mashing their faces together, like mm-hmm. without doing anything with those like mm. it's like wow there's uh there's a great new milestone but a, sensuality but a seismic event in our culture i um, know and uh, then th- there's the girl who says masturbation the girl who talks about masturbation i don't remember her you don't remember her no yeah um, and it was very shocking at the time one that I, that I do remember and i don't know if this was the whole the point of the whole episode or if this was just a segment but it was it was a, a woman whose mother was sexually active like the mother liked to hang out oh. in bars and meet people and it was like you know right. hey now you know i'm in my 20s and you know my mom is <laughs> wanting to go to the same bars as me but they but they followed the mom with a camera as she hung out in a bar like alone trying to talk to people and yeah. what i remember and this is the saddest thing in the world is her just saying just broadly to the bar is anyone having a birthday <laughs> just as like a way to start a conversation and it just broke my heart in a way that i've never been able to shake well don't kill yourself with saltine crackers over there. that's that's good advice thank you that's sorry i advice. wanted that call back i thank that you. was, oh, that God, was no, poorly I, placed I, but i wanted no that, call. that was exactly right that was exactly right <laughs> um so poor sharon is just yapping away talking on the phone um there is one phone, and yes. if a person is using it, that means that you cannot. Um, there right. is one phone. There is one line. Probably not even call waiting. Um, oh, yes. That is that is deeply, deeply 90s. Jay tells us the problem is not that we have one phone for seven people. The problem is that we have one phone for six people and Sharon. Yes, I, that's pretty that's, great. That's the work of a playwright. The de- <laughs> Yes, that is a weatherman mm-hmm. waiting to be birthed. Waiting to be birthed. Is he still um, in the Pacific Northwest? Have we checked in on him with the heat wave? He is. Oh, that's a good question. Jay. If anybody's got an update on Jay the weatherman. Send up a sign if you're okay. Um, so uh, the whole thing of telephones, I hate to be banging on this old guy reminiscence shit, but the days of people talking on the phone all the time those are gone those are so gone so so gone, gone. Yeah. i don't, and i don't like calling people and i will I, I think it's discourteous to call someone without sending a text first yeah and, and if somebody calls me my immediate thought is oh my god what's wrong what's, what's wrong yeah absolutely yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. You know who uh, loves to talk on the phone 
is uh, both of my brothers. They're like 10 years older than I am. So like that's uh. what they do is like they call. And st- and I know that and I've known that forever. But every time they come up on my caller ID, I'm like, what's up? You know, like I pick up so fast because I think something terrible has happened. Because why the fuck would anyone call anyone? But it's just like, right. oh no, I'm I'm you know I'm doing an hour long drive to the farm, and I just thought I'd call. Like God, Dude. that's you're demented. Over Send the pandemic, I had some phone I had some phone conversations. I was like, this is kind of nice. Yeah, no, I, I disagree. But, uh, they're gone. I disagree. <laughs> you disagree. Uh, I FaceTime face with my mother, and that is, that's a lot of fun. When, it, when I'm not talking to the ceiling fan. Um, if I can get her right. to put her face in the frame, then it's an enjoyable experience. <laughs> but, um, but often I am simply talking to recessed lighting. Um, anywho. As... As we all do on those dark nights. On those dark, dark nights. So Sharon is talking and singing so much that she has a nodule and yeah. uh, and must have it removed surgically. Um, and the slightest slip and she could lose her voice forever. <laughs> and she goes to a doctor who actually wears one of those circular mirror things. Yes. On his head, yes. which I've only seen in Bugs Bunny cartoons. Yes, or improv shows like go to the prop closet. Yes. Yeah. Uh-huh. Weird. What does what does it do? Um I don't know. And so you you can look at your nodules while the doctor is Oh, it's probably for light. It's yeah, probably... I guess it like reflects light right in a more focused way than just a big that... light would. I don't know. But you know you know what they've invented is lights. Yeah, now we so got you lights. You don't actually need mirrors. Yeah. Now we got lights. So. You don't have to reflect that shit like you're trying to light a Charlie Chaplin movie. <laughs> um, yeah, this guy's like this guy's like us with the telephone conversations. Yeah, yeah, and the, and the swing music. Yeah, one day <laughs> the doctors will go back to using the mirrors on top of the head. No, they won't. No, they be won't. Um, now, okay, so let's say you were about to go under. Uh, would you want to bump into a friend from school? Depends on the friend from school. Yeah, I guess that's true. Well, because here's the thing is uh, medical procedures can be, to those of us in recovery, mm-hmm. what is called a free lapse. Oh, what does that mean? Yeah. Uh, it, me- it means uh, somebody gives you drugs and it's totally okay. I see. Yeah. Okay. So, like, so for instance, during the pandemic, when I got really depressed, my mind went to, maybe there's some dental work I could have. Like maybe oh, because wow. I know I know I could go to a dentist and like get a cleaning and be like, oh, could you give me some Percocets? Yeah. I know I could do it. It's easy as hell. So yeah. if I bumped into a friend while I was being uh, sedated, I would want that. See, it would be weird because I would have to pretend I'm not high. Mm. I would have to dope fiend them on the level of like, no, man, no, I'm totally good. I haven't used man. Oh, no. But they would yeah. know. I mean, they would have to know. They would. They would totally know. But you still, you can't. Um, I, I had a, a girlfriend in recovery who had a terrible fear of flying, so she finally was given Xanax for it, appropriately prescribed, and she would take the Xanax and go into a blackout. She would never remember, like from the time she took the Xanax to the to the next day, and you know, and she was totally functional. But I was, uh, she was always like, no, 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 I'm not feeling anything, man. I'm like, no, no, this, this is fine. And it was great because it's like, you, you, I know you're dope fiending me. I know you're dope fiending me. Wow. And I am, I am more so than anyone you know, am, am totally with the program. Um, it's, it was great. It was really wow. great. Wow. Wow. Because you just, if, you, if you're a drug addict, and you're high, you need to learn how to pretend you're not high. Even if it's high toward a purpose? Yes. Yeah, unless it's like a big heroin party and everybody's falling around the room and okay. you know, everybody's okay. asleep on the couch. Then you can be like reasonably um, uh, open about it. But like cool. you go out into the world, you know, you bump into a junkie friend while you're buying a falafel. You're, yeah. you're still going to fucking act like you're not high. I mean, the, absolutely. The only time I've ever been under was when I had my wisdom teeth uh, pulled. Mm. Uh, this was maybe five years ago. And um, and I was laying in. I was nervous as hell. 
and uh, and I was laying in the little chair, and um, you know the anesthesiologist was like starting the the procedure of putting me under, and uh, and the doctor, the dentist, whatever. I uh, was like, where do you live? And I said, Studio City. And he's like, oh, what are some good restaurants there? And I was like, hey. And I was in, I was like, <laughs> I know what you're doing. I know you're trying to put me at ease. But uh, but I was like, doctor, I know what you're... An hour later. <laughs> I went down so hard. And one of the nurses was, was kind of butch. And she was the one to get me out of the chair and, and deliver me to Ben. And right. like in in that moment, I was like, yeah. We get each other. And like, and Ben came and got us and I was like, this one's cool, man. Oh, yeah. I was super, I was like, I am tight with this lesbian dental nurse. Yeah. I wasn't. We never spoke again. Well, anyway. I'm sure if you uh, were reunited on a cruise ship, yeah. you'd have much to talk about. I bet we would. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, Sharon uh, goes under for throat surgery, runs into an old school friend, which I think would be very off-putting. Um, as she's beginning to go under... Um, did I see this? Did the, did the doctor kind of stroke her face a little bit with his finger? Yes, he did. I don't like that. I don't like that I at all. Like I thought, I, I, I sort of rationalized it like, is he like seeing if she is responsive to like a tickle on the cheek? But it was a, it was an inappropriately sensual. It was. Yes. It was. I didn't, I didn't If it were today, it. he would have to go take a special workshop for that. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And for good reason. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't yeah. enjoy that at all. Um, during this, uh, PJ Harvey's Down by the Water is playing. <laughs> oh. If you want to be ominous in 1995, that I mean, you can't do much better. You went to you went to Polly Jean. Yeah, Polly you Jean. You went Harvey. straight for the Polly Jean. Give her her daughter. Uh, <laughs> so um, she is not to speak for a full week, which we know is going to be very difficult for. Uh, for and Sharon. she can't stop talking. And she can't fucking and stop her, talking. Her little notebook that she uses to write stuff down is copious notes, like whole paragraphs. Mm -hmm. And at one point she speaks to Neil and says, you have to stop talking so I can respond to what you just said. Yes. Completely defeating the purpose in a very charming way. It's delightful. It's delightful. However, uh, she has no restraint. She has no discipline. Verbosity is her vice, as she tells us. (laughs) Um, Does she say that? Does she say that sentence? She says that sentence. She whispers that sentence. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Wow. And then seeing Lars and his busted up face, she doesn't just write down, are you okay? She says, (laughs) what happened? Did some nasty thug hit you? (laughs) Delightful. God, Sharon, Sharon, come on. We love you. Never uh, Never shut up. Never shut up. If I was on, if I was a cast member on that show, uh, I would have yelled at her to shut up. Being yeah. a vocalist, I would have fucking yelled at her. I would have lost my mind. I would have stuck my hand on top of her face and yelled, "You have to stop talking." I I wonder. I, it it is was this... horrifying for me watching that. Yes, is this why we don't know her as a singer? Did she fuck her voice? Oh, knife to the eyeball thought there. Oh, my God. I mean, did she fuck her voice during this week of just not being able to turn it off? Holy shit. Oh, Sharon. Wow. Oh, gosh. Well, as I told you, a couple years later, I did see her at a rooftop bar talking very loudly about Amanda Decadene. So she can at least talk. And her voice sounded clear as a bell. What does she have to say about Amanda Decadene? Do I don't. I, I just remember her hear, like her hearing her voice say the name. Um, I don't think I've ever said the name Amanda Decadene out loud. It's fun to say, wasn't it? Nice. It really is Amanda Decadene. It's really nice. Um, episode four of season four of the Real World uh, was is brought titled, to you. Oh yes, shush, shush. No, 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 no. Oh, no, I'm sorry. I'm talking episode five. Go ahead. Go ahead. It was called Shush Shush Sweet Sharon. Um, (laughs) But it was brought to you by Value Muesli. Was it? Yeah. No, I mean, just at the end, everyone's eating from a big box of Value Muesli. Got it. 
Got Value muesli. Uh, wow. And as we leave them there talking about the relative uh, heat of planets, uh, Sharon thinks uh, Mars is hotter because it's red. Neil says no, it's because it's got red dust on it. Uh, just right. the idea of real world people having this conversation is so utterly right. wild to me. Yes. Um, well, the, it was it was the the scene over the over the final credits. That is consistently the best scene. Yes. Of I mean, if you, if if somebody put together a compilation of just the credit scenes mm-hmm. on the real world from about season three on when they learned that that was how to put the oddball scenes in. Yeah. I would so watch it. The stray bits. Um, yeah. They're, they're consistently the best. You're absolutely right. Yeah. Uh, episode so five, what's episode, it called? Five is called Brand New Swords and Formula Fords. Okay. All right. That's sure. awesome. And we get a, a, uh, a juxtaposition of parenting styles and sporting activities. Yes. Because Cat's mother is very supportive of Cat's fencing. And Mike's dad is, I'm just going to say it, he's a dad from St. Louis. Oh, and is he, he ever. Is, Do I know this guy? Do I know dude, this dad? Dude. This was not my dad, thank God. My right. dad was you knew one of the guy. good ones, but I, I but like yeah. three of my friends had this shitty, manipulative, uh, insecure, um, right. laundering his own thwarted uh, dreams through oh, his through his God. poor son, right. uh, yelling at the fucking ref at a fourth grade soccer game, um, <laughs> you know, oh, just Lord absolute Almighty. fucking Lord piece of trash. Named Duke. That's right. And, and his, his racing team is Duke. called Team Duke. Team Duke. Which sounds like a name for an ironic uh, ska band. Yes. Team Duke. Team yeah. Duke. Let's I mean, start that's a that be- band. Slightly better name than Save Ferris, but yeah. I digress. Yeah. yeah. I just did a, well, not just, it was probably a couple of years ago, but I did a, uh, a podcast with uh, Monique Powell of Save Ferris. She was delightful. Oh, she was like, she was so... Uh, now we're getting deep. So she was like a crush of mine in the yeah, world of rock and roll. Yeah. And I used to see her all over the place. And, oh, God. I'm not going to admit this. I'm, I'm not going to admit this. Nothing, uh, nothing happened. But I don't okay. think we even actually met. But, okay. Oh, God. What were you going to say? We can cut it out. I'm uh, going to say it. All right. So she was a larger person. Mm-hmm. And I f- felt bad about being super into a larger person. I don't know what the correct way of saying larger person is. But, yeah. oh, that's such a terrible thing. I'm so sorry I said that. Everybody fucking pummel me. and But I just, oh, I felt like back in the day, whatever, 97, I was like, I'm a rock and roll guy. need a rock and roll girlfriend. And I can't be attracted to somebody who doesn't fit. And it was so, oh. Like now, looking back on it, and you know, and it's probably not even in the top fifty awful thoughts I had in the latter half of the nineteen nineties. Oh, listen, because she was fucking gorgeous. She was so beautiful, and there, there were like eye contact moments. Uh-huh. It was one of those things where, like, do you remember all those radio shows that they had? Like, oh yeah, like X Fest. Oh yeah, all those yeah. things. So Delamitri, um, primitive radio <laughs> gods. Oh God. So we, you know, those were kind of a, a, a chip trading game between radio stations and yeah. promoters. And it would be like, okay, you have to take soul coughing and we'll give you the Goo Goo Dolls. Mm-hmm. So we were always in sort of the se- uh, secondary and tertiary tier of radio stations with some notable exceptions. But we were always on those shows because we had been horse traded because they wanted somebody else. Yeah. It'd be like... Three Warner Reprise bands, like, on the lower half of the bill. So there was a bigger Warner Reprise band on the upper half of the bill. And so Save Ferris lived in that world. Uh-huh. So uh-huh. it'd be like us and, oh, God, I can't, even, I can't even think of what those other bands were. Think of those lower-tier alternative rock bands. Yeah. Um, oh, uh, Harvey Danger. Oh. Before they had... When when the hit was rising, we were very much on the same level. Sure, sure. I remember when Cake was on the same level. Yeah, these are all bands that, like, surpassed us, but... But at the time, at the time, it was just, yeah, I mean, there was... 
Wow, what a, what a moment that was for radio. God, I miss it. I miss radio. I mean, radio is... I was listening to some statistic. People still listen to the radio. But That's for weird, some right? reason, it is... It's, it's, well, I mean, I, it's on in my car. Yeah. There's two hip-hop stations in Memphis that constantly disparage each other. Okay, and I switch That's between fine. them. Yeah. That's fine. I yeah. listen to... Okay, so I do BBC Radio 6 in the mornings. Of course you Which do. is fucking great. For those oh, yeah. who don't know, tell your Alexa to, uh, oh, I just woke her up, uh, to play BBC Radio 6. Um, it's, it's fantastic. It's, uh, you know, new, like they turned me on to dry cleaning and then it's a, you know, an album track from Intervisions. Right, it's fucking, right, it's perfect. It's exactly yeah. what, it's, uh, what a it's music really good wants. Music. Uh, and yeah. then in the afternoons, uh, Lightning 100 or uh, KEXP. Lightning 100 out of Nashville. I guess it is out of Nashville, yeah. Wow, get out of town. I love those it's guys. It's a great station. It's a great station. I love those guys. Um, yeah, but then, yeah, but like local, like top 40 radio, I only ever hear in a Lyft or an Uber, and I just don't do right. it. And I don't think my nieces and nephews do either, but I don't know. I um I I am a a like I put like actual labor into finding music. Yeah. And I will do, and so I work, I do uh, Most Necessary, pollen hyper pop uh there's a couple of indie playlists and i always work from the back oh. so i go to the last song on the list and then listen to them in backwards order because oh. the good shit is is in the back okay i'm gonna need you to send me all yes yeah. yeah 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 um, I, okay. i'll playlist the bejesus out of you if you ask me please yeah. please do mm. Um, anyway, I, uh, I don't like the relationship between Mike and his father, and I think that it, uh, it leads to insecurity and poor sweater choices. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, Kat, there's no denying. Cat, on the other hand, is homesick. Uh, she calls her mom in the middle of the night or, or early morning. It's hard to say. Mom picks up, which is yeah. like, yeah, that is, that's some mom behavior right there. You can just let that shit yeah. go to voicemail if you want. Well, I mean, um, that's the right mom behavior. I suppose. I suppose. But if you're asleep, mm. you, can, you can let it go. Um, but her mother, extremely uh, supportive but firm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, well, but she's very like, don't put yourself down. Don't. Yes. No, that's like, that's like the parent you want. No, absolutely. No, I, that's, that's it, what I mean. Like, you yeah, wonder why. She, yeah. She believes. You wonder why someone with adequate parenting would want to be famous on a television program. Mm -hmm. I just, mm -hmm. I always think that when I meet a, a healthy person in any part of show business, I go, what, why are you here? Yeah. Like what, what's in this for you? Like, you, yeah, you got attention from your parents growing up and yeah. we're understood and yeah, you should be in law school. Yeah. Do you, how do you talk with your folks about your, your work? Do you? Um, I rarely do. Do I mean when uh, when I do, my dad always says, "Well, Mike, I, I don't I don't really understand your business," mm -hmm. and he means that as like a like a friendly thing, but it really is like they have they have no idea. I mean, it'd be like like a, a, you know, oh, I was in L.A. making a record; they're cool with that. Mm -hmm. um, cool with that. What am I saying? Um, but yeah, they don't they do not understand what I have done with my life. They yeah. understand that I get paid for it. They're more okay with it than uh, they were when I was a a young child. Yeah, you know, wanting to like, hey, I'm gonna say a bunch of funny words, uh, you know, over like frenetic music, and uh -huh. somebody's gonna give me money for it. Yeah, um, yeah, that that was very hard to explain back then. Sure, sure, I get it. What about your parents when you were? Um. When you actually left a real job. When I left a real job. Yeah, that was a tough conversation because um, I'm, I'm the youngest of three and my two brothers uh, like took over my dad's business. So it's like – so they understand each other extremely well and I never really – you know, I, I did occasional summers there but I never – I just never – I couldn't get my brain to work that way. What and, was the business? Uh, I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Okay. Um, no, I mean it's it's in the world of like financial consulting oh, uh, and like pension funds and stuff, and I'm already right. out of my depth. 
Um, right. But uh, but yeah, I never, I just never quite got it. But uh, so they always kind of had a shorthand with each other in that way. And then and then I went oh. to to New York to work in advertising, which I thought was like a good halfway between oh being what I thought I was supposed to be and also being creative. Although I was not on the creative side, I, I hoped to someday make the the leap, but I never really right. did. And right. then I was, and then yeah, after like five years, I was like, "What the? I'm 27. I hate my job. I'm in New York City. It's so fucking expensive. I don't. I'm not doing what makes me happy. I owe myself a couple of years of trying to do something that makes me happy, right? And, or right. finding out what it is, or just just getting better at knowing what it is, or whatever. So yeah, so I was like, I'm going to quit my job and um, and start temping and stuff. Honestly, temping was more lucrative than advertising. Um, and I could right. make my own hours. So that wasn't so bad, but, um, and then the MTV thing happened like within a year. So, so like I didn't, there wasn't a whole lot that I had to explain, but like now, now as like a writer, now that I'm, you know, my, my right. money comes from writing. Um, my mom only kind of, um, I only hear about like the fact that I've, like become a writer when I use like a word that she doesn't get. Cause I think oh. that, I think in her mind, like that's what a writer does is like use uh. fancy words or whatever. Um, but it's <laughs> like, if I, if I write an emotional piece or, or like my book, there's a lot of like kind of heavy emotional content there. There was no, like um, there was no sort of deeper engagement with it, which is not right. to say that they weren't supportive. They absolutely were and are. Uh, my dad is no longer with us, but he, he was very supportive mm. and, and always, you know, when I would send him links to stuff I wrote, it was always, you know, would always read it and stuff. But we, 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 wouldn't, we wouldn't get into, like, deep conversations about it. And, and if I was, right. like, if I got to a place where I was doubting myself as a writer, I don't think I would take it to my parents. Because they would probably just be like, well, then come home. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, if you don't, there are a lot of people trying to do what you do, so just come home. Um, uh... They would, I mean, which is not to say that they were not supportive. That I just... They couldn't – the way that I don't understand what the family business is, yeah. Uh, yeah. they don't quite get the the path that I am on. And I understand that because I often don't understand the path that I am on, you know? I, um, I am from a, a long line of right-brained people. My dad is in the Army. Yeah. Well, was in the Army. Yeah. Um, my, I mean, he, he was – he's a general now. They promoted him to general. Yeah, General Doty. General Um, Doty. Yeah. And uh, so, like, right brain people, there's no sense in me existing. Like, there's no genetic basis for who I am and what I choose to do with my life. There's no music in my family. There's no... Uh, you know, freaky creative people yeah, in my extended same. family at all. At same. all. Yeah. Same. Yeah, I have a big Irish Catholic family and same. I have one uh, cousin who's like an abstract artist out in Denver. Oh. Um, but in Denver. Out in Denver. Oh, no, sorry. <laughs> abstract devotional artist. Um, wow. and, and she's great. Um, but yeah, but that's it. Everybody else is very businessy. And, and that's great. They're all awesome people, but I, I just, yeah, I don't, I don't understand where I came from at all. Sure, sure. Um, anyhow, you know who's hot? Uh, who's hot? Fencing coaches. <laughs> like, there are the two that... fencing coaches in here, and both of them are El Scorcho. And they both tuck their shirts in. That, that's they what, do that both my note about tuck them. their shirts into yes. their pants. Yeah. Which was an odd thing in 1995. Yeah. A, a groovy person, yeah, who wanted to watch the real world all day. One of them is a uh, is a, a David Duchovny Mads Mikkelsen hybrid, <laughs> and the other one looks like somebody, but I can't I can't put my finger on who. But he's he's beardy and cute. Um, <laughs> yeah, some hot fencing boys. Wow, cat, um, you know, cat. Fencing is her art. It is what makes her feel most like herself. It is what brings her back to herself. And um, at the end of the episode, she says, fencing is infinitely better than sex. You I still don't. have to take a shower, but it's constructive and you never fall asleep. And you never fall asleep. So a lot <laughs> yeah. of this raises questions about Kat. Um, the, uh, I also enjoyed her mother you know, giving her a pep talk about how she's going to do fine in the NGOs. 
but then telling her, you're a lazy little butt. <laughs> you're a lazy little butt. Since when did you start saying butt? When did you start saying butt? One of my favorite Call things back. I've ever read. God, this is, this is like a fucking improv show. It's yeah, like a yeah. herald. Um, yeah. One of my favorite things that I've ever read, one of my favorite quotes I've ever read, is when Kim Davis, um, the, the county clerk in like Kentucky, wouldn't give a marriage license to the same-sex oh, couple, and then right. they locked her up. And then she got out of jail after five days or whatever, and, um, and there was a big celebration. And the local paper um, interviewed Kim Davis and her husband, and, um, and the husband was like, you going to interview the judge later? And I guess the reporter was like, yeah. <laughs> and Kim Davis' husband said, you tell him he's a butt. <laughs> he's a butt. Oh, my God. Oh, that, he's a that butt. Is, that is fabulous. You're a butt. Oh, uh, you're a butt. Anywho, um, Mike's trying to get some funding to get cars for him to sit in and drive f- fast. Um, his friend Sean in Michigan <laughs> is trying to help him uh, get that funding. What I love is that they give us an establishing shot of Sean's house in Michigan. Didn't need it. <laughs> like, do they send a camera crew to fucking Michigan to get a, an establishing shot of this of the house of this person we're never going to see again? Yeah, not well, necessary. I, folks. What, the, the thing I liked about Sean and he had a very sort of norm core sideburns '90s situation yeah. going on, which is he cut his sideburns entirely off, mm-hmm. so it looked as if he did not have sideburns. Yeah, and there were everybody had a norm core friend in the '90s that did sure. that. I still don't know why. Yeah. Yep. We all knew one. I think I probably yep. tried it. Um, yeah. It's uh, it's a difficult thing. Poor Mike tells us he has nothing to do in the house but sit around and fart. <laughs> oh. Yeah. 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 Poor Mike, man. Yeah. Uh, I, that That is the, the lesson I'm learning from this show is the tragic aspect of Mike. And mm. at the end of the show... He goes to a video game parlor called Funland. Funland. Mm. And sit next sits next to an Orthodox Jewish fellow with Paeus and the and the black hat. I didn't and even they, catch that. Oh really? Oh you got yeah. it's totally like super incongruous uh sight in Funland is this Orthodox Jewish guy and there and he plays a racing car game, mm-hmm. which is the closest in the whole series they could probably get to actual footage of Mike racing a car. Yeah, poor Mike. All he wants to do is make his father proud, but also not ask him for money. The The way that the two of them relate to one another is is so unhealthy. Um, like there's, so Mike needs money from his father, but he won't ask him. Uh, and in right. fact, he won't even, at, like he won't, he kind of doesn't even really tell Sean to ask him. He just says, we need to stand on some bucks. <laughs> I forget what that is a rejoinder to, but he says we need to stand on some bucks. And he, so poor Sean is left to beg Mike's father for money. But then when Mike's father calls Mike, it is not, he does not call out the obvious thing of, hey, I heard you guys need some money. It's, sounds like Sean needs some money. And, um, and I was thinking maybe I could do that. Like it, it's all just nobody is being honest about their intentions or about their right. experience. They're just all kind of talking around it to try to spare each other's feelings, which ultimately only leads to more hurt feelings. Yeah. Um, it's just not great. And I wish that poor Mike did not have to lean on his father. I, it's it's a bad. Well, but he, his his father is angry that Mike chose to go on this television program yeah. and hence refuses to, to support him. He's powerful. And I think that there's a whole species of people in the real world pantheon that are the person in the cast member's life who is angry that they chose to be on the TV show. Yeah. And in this season, we got uh, 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 Neil's girlfriend. We got Chris. Neil through yeah. the pig heart lady. We got Chris. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we got Mike's dad. Mm-hmm. And, uh, oh, those are sad people. Sad those people. sad, sad people. We probably have, uh, uh, what the fuck is his name? Jay's girlfriend, but we don't really see her on camera yet. I don't know if she makes an appearance. I don't know. Or if she's too young to be on the network. 
Wow. Um, oh, did, did labor laws come into effect if you were a child on a television show? the hell out of me. I don't know. Huh. I don't know. I mean, I guess they fixed it because th- later there, there would be a 16 and pregnant. But uh, we do not yep, see yep, yep. or have not seen Jay's girlfriend. Um, yeah, I don't I, – I, I think – the the fear from Mike's father comes from I think he thinks it's I want you to stay here and continue racing cars because you're going to lose six months of practice or progress or whatever right. in driving a car, which doesn't to me seem like a huge big deal. I think it is more you're going to go to Europe and you're going to see how provincial St. Louis is oh. and how like because I grew up in the corridor that he grew up in uh, <laughs> and i know and i know the people in my life who never left like kids from my high school who truly just never left and how like you know fucking fossilized they have some of them become um and i think he probably feels that way and he's like i don't want to have a son who's more worldly than i am i'll be ashamed of myself so i'm just going to pout you, that you're I mean- leaving and emotionally manipulate you into just coming home and forgetting that part of your life. Right. But do, do you think he actually regards his existence as provincial? I mean, I think he, he has a sense of superiority about it. That, um, that would be my read. I don't know. I don't know. I worry. I wonder. I don't worry. I wonder. Uh, because those like those high school friends who I'm talking about, like when the, you know, the second I moved to New York and then – came back home, uh, you know, for Christmases or whatever, they'd be like, oh, come eat us here. You're not going to like it, you know, or like, <laughs> hey, let's have uh, dinner here. It's not as good as you're used to probably. And it's like, you guys, shut the fuck up. Oh. Like, I live in New York, but I can't afford anything nice. And right. even if I could, St. Louis has great stuff. It really does. But, it, if- but they, there is an inferiority complex that comes out in that kind of bluster, that like the, that level of overcompensating. If there were an emos in New York, I would have gone there. Absolutely. Oh, dude, yeah. I would. I'm, I've I have crossed the world looking for a, a St. Louis style pizza outside of St. Louis. You can't find it. St. Louis style pizza. For those who don't know, very thin crust, like almost like a yes. like a saltine cracker, which you should not kill yes. yourself with. <laughs> um, and then a, a cheese food uh, that is called provel. That is like provolone which is American and Velveeta. It is. It is a creamier, gooier. Uh, meltier uh, American cheese that... And it is orange. It is orange. It, well, or very, yeah. very yellow. Uh, Emos is very, <laughs> very yellow. Um, this is the kind of justification that someone from St. Louis gets into when you start talking to them about their pizza. Yeah. And I think it's wonderful pizza, and mm. if I knew the secret to making American cheese delicious on a pizza, I would be practicing that art yeah. Every day. Yeah. St. Louis style pizza, very controversial. If it's the first pizza you ever had in your life, which it is for me, you love it forever. If you have had other pizzas before, you eat it and you're, you are, you are dubious of it. Oh, uh, and I, for good reason. I love it. I love it forever. I mean, I don't, I kind of don't consider it pizza. Okay. It's more pizza like yeah. than it's pizza. More flatbread. But, yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's a crack. It's a cracker with like marinara and, and a slice of American cheese. It's a fancy cracker. But it's a fancy cracker. It is delicious. It is mm-hmm. delicious. Yeah. Um, the music in this episode is truly top notch. This is yeah. this is my favorite soundtrack to date. We have we get Grace from Jeff Buckley. We get you did? Uh, yes. I didn't hear that. Oh yeah. Wow. Yeah. Uh, we get I forget which song from Morphine. Um, we had lightning oh, more crashes. Oh yeah. Uh, uh you, my favorite song with placenta in the lyric. Um, it, it's, it's, uh, it's a classic. It's, that, it's a good, the soundtrack for this episode I would buy. You know, the, the lyric forces pulling from the center of the earth again. Mm-hmm. I always thought it was, uh, forces pulling from the center of the earth, I guess. I thought that too. <laughs> I thought that too. Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah. I've stopped listening to that song. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's when it's on, I just am like, someone should turn some music on. Like, I just don't hear it anymore. It's white noise to me. Now. I, I don't, I don't think I've heard it, but then again, maybe I'm in your position and it plays a lot and I don't actually and you just hear tune it. it out. Um, it's an existential I, question. Did I tell, okay. Um, it stopped me if I've told you this. But uh, right when I first moved out to L.A., 
I was so young and dumb that I hung around at Barney's Beanery a lot. That was like where my friends oh, and yeah. I would go. Because that was always sort of a low-key gay bar. You know what I mean? Like it wasn't a gay bar, oh, but yeah. like you could exchange a look with somebody and you would know that it was on. <laughs> um, which always for me seemed like I enjoyed the sport of that a little bit more than just, you know, going to the Abbey. Um, right. Anywho, uh, that's my own internalized homophobia. But um, so, <laughs> I'm at, so I'm at um, Barney's Beanery with some friends. And it's karaoke night, which it is like four nights a week. And somebody is singing Lightning Crashes, which I'm like, that is a wild choice. And wow. But I have my back to them. And as it goes on, I'm like, that really, I mean, this guy sounds like Ed from Live. And I turn around. Oh. Like, Dodie, it is Ed from Live. Oh, at my God. Barney's Beanery singing his own song. That is incredible and and so of course i fucking ran up to the stage as everyone else did (laughs) and and what i remember is everyone looking at one another for cues on how to react you know what i mean because it's like is this cool or is this so sad and i still don't know i don't think i have found circles on karaoke yeah, uh, in the in the big binders, and I've yeah. thought about putting it on, but I would do it to be funny, and there would be many people in your position, for instance, who would be like, "Wow, this is the saddest thing I've ever seen in my." I don't life. think so. I don't think so. I think that you would do it with a a, a joy, and a esprit de corps, um, a joie de vivre. I would, sing, uh, I would sing closing time over it because it's the same chords. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, I, this, there was no, you know, as you would imagine in the placenta song, there was not a whole lot of joy. Uh, there was not a lot of mirth in, uh, in Ed Kowalczyk's delivery that night in, uh, in Barney's Beanery. But anyway, it was very strange and I still don't know how I feel about it. Mm, well, so. I feel good about it. Okay, good. Good. I'm so glad <laughs> we have, we have gone far afield, um, it's what we do. It is what we do. We are discursive. Um, so Kat does not... I, it's hard to know how she did in the NJOs, except that she didn't do as well as she had hoped. Right. Um, I Watching Fencing, I'm like, I don't know what I'm looking at right now. I don't know which <laughs> one is that, which. That you, had to be, you had to be wired up and there were buzzers and electronic yeah, aspects. It's like laser tag. Yeah, exactly. Um, it's weird. I didn't realize. That's a good vibe. But when the, yeah, when there was beeping, there was like a red and a green, and I, I couldn't, I didn't yeah. know who was who. I didn't know who was scoring. I didn't yeah. know if red was good or bad. Um, I wasn't quite sure what was going on. If they had told me that she won, like she could have just gotten off and been exactly. like, yeah, I fucking won. I got the gold medal. <laughs> I'd be like, great. Um, yeah, but I, I didn't know. Yeah. What I do know is she travels to the United States on an empty plane. They catch a shot of her, and there's no one. Huh. There were empty seats all around. And I do remember from that time, my my roommates um, in New York in like 99 moved to London. They both got transferred. Uh, they worked at the same company who opened an office and they both got transferred. And, um, and so I would go and visit them for a long weekend because it was like – because you could do it cheaply. And, you know, and it's – you do a little red eye. You're there on a Friday morning and the whole world right. lay before you. But, yeah, I would as often as not get an open row. Right. You and could sleep. You stretch could sleep out. on that middle row. You yeah. can never do. I, I don't know what the world looks like post COVID, but I, I get the sense you probably can't do that ever again. No. Yeah. Oh, uh, so before she goes to San Jose, Cat goes to a fencing supply store. Yep. Where there is a man that is looks like a like a, a human version of one of those dudes in Harry Potter. At yes, the I, that's at a, banks. That's exactly. <laughs> it was like she went to Hogwarts to get her He's, fencing supplies. He's so awesome. He's so great. And she says to him, I love new weapons. I love new weapons. Yes. Hey, who doesn't? I love, I love it. Yeah. She went to the Diagon Alley fencing supply shop. Yes. Um, yeah. Fantastic. Doesn't do well, but Neil notes that she has come back more vibrant. Yes. Which is lovely. Before she leaves, he says, you're going back to the land of the brave and the home of the free. Yeah. Which I hope was a mistake, because if he did that on purpose, mm-hmm. I don't want more reasons to dislike Neil. Yeah, yeah. But Listen. I like I like Neil. I can't help myself. Yeah, you know what? He's I'm I'm up and down. I'm up and down with him. I um, read an interview with him in his current life. Actually, it's about a 20 year old interview. Yeah. Um, 
uh, and uh, he says in it, I was a rock and roll man, mm. which I was like, oh, Neil, no. you're not making a case for yourself. No, stop. Stop this foolishness. Stop this. Yes. God damn it. Uh, okay. Fencing and sex. I don't want to talk about that anymore. <laughs> That's gross. Um, yeah. Yeah. But a fine pair of episodes. Like this is this is back when the real world would do that, like Downton Abbey season one kind of thing, where there was like there's right. an overall story, but then it's like right. we're gonna follow, you know, Mrs. Foofy Bottom or whatever her name was, right. who like who dusts the the, the the cabinets or whatever, and see what her life at home is all about. It's like they they follow a person or two per episode, deepen their story a little bit, let us into their inner lives. I like it. And it's very like it's it's very like problems teens can relate to. Yeah, parenting and trying to do well in the match and like yeah. that kind of stuff. Yeah, important shit. Important. Important shit. shit. Yeah, I loved it. I loved it. Well, it is so nice to be back in the saddle. Um, yeah, it is back back in the race car. Um, it's uh, we will be back next Friday. Yes, yes? we will. With two more episodes. With, yeah, well, to talk about two more episodes. With in one, one more, more episode. episodes to talk about two more. Exactly. In the meantime, everybody have a very happy 4th of July. USA, mm-hmm. USA, land of the brave, home of the free, um, fireworks all around, and all Glocks down. All Glocks down.